And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, yeah, great show today. I was joined by my good friend Tyler Grant. Uh, it's always a good time talking to Tyler. We talked about uh, the state of the Democratic primaries and the results of the New Hampshire primary, which was last night. Uh, we talked about China and the coronavirus. Uh, yeah, not the cheeriest of topics, you know, but hey, you know, we... We work with what the news cycle gives us. Uh, before I get to Tyler, I need to say hi to our good friends over at Man Beard Company. Gentlemen, gentlemen, let, let's be honest. You look you look terrible. You look absolutely terrible. Why do you look terrible? Because you look like a little child. Why do you look like a little child? Because you don't have a beard. Just grow a beard. Put the razor down. Walk away. Grow a beard. Ladies... Ladies, y- y- your man looks like shit. I mean, he looks terrible. It's embarrassing to be seen with him in public because he doesn't have a beard. Tell him to be a man and grow a beard. Or maybe he does have a beard. Gentlemen, maybe you do have a beard, but you still look terrible. That's probably because you're not using beard oil or you're not using the right beard oil, okay? You got to check out Man Beard Company. Man Beard Company beard oils have the appropriate amount of fatty acids, vitamin E, and vitamin A to keep your beard in great shape. It smells great. It makes your beard look great and feel great. Uh, It helps promote strong and even facial hair growth. Trust me, it is a game changer. You'll notice the difference within a day or two of using it. Literally, it is the best beard oil in the business. Check them out over at manbeardco.com. That is manbeardco.com. Use promo code NOGIMMICKS. That is promo code NOGIMMICKS, one word, for a great deal on your order of premium beard oil. Once again, manbeardco.com. Check them out. Guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. Uh, Please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the NoGimmicksPodcast. All right. Without further ado, here's my chat with Tyler Grant. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Tyler Grant. Tyler, thanks so much for taking the time, brother. Always love talking. Let's do it. Yeah, man. So uh, let's jump right into the news of the day. Uh, Bernie Sanders has won the uh, New Hampshire primary. I mean, I guess it's it's nice that somebody won uh, a primary after the uh, dumpster fire that was Iowa, and I guess still is Iowa. I don't even think they've technically declared a winner of the Iowa caucuses yet, which is hilarious. But uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg came in a close second. Um, Amy Klobuchar actually did did very well coming in third. Um, did, what did we learn from from last night's vote? I mean, I guess it's it's good to actually see some some winners and losers uh, in, in these primaries, but I don't know if anything really changed uh, based on last night. But uh, what did you learn from New Hampshire? I mean, I think what we're learning is really the fact that the Democratic base is far, far, far more left than four years ago, eight years ago. It's constantly moving in a lefty direction. It's moving towards socialism. Socialism is polling well among young people. And Bernie Sanders is the you know the mouthbox for that. I mean, we had Elizabeth Warren, who for a minute seemed like she was going to be the front runner to champion that position and be kind of the less eccentric 
of the Sanders Warren pair, but you know she just can't stop herself from exaggerating her <laughs> record, exaggerating her identities, exaggerating things that have happened in her life, and she's fading pretty quickly as the American voters not a moron and is realizing that you know this is ridiculous. We're having a person that's lying to us, and we have a guy who has a track record of this stuff and socialism for a long time, and he's the person champion that I think we're just we're we're now seeing the voters follow exactly what the right has been saying about the left, which is that it's, it's been moving more and more in a progressive socialist uh, position. And that played out in New Hampshire. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that if Bernie Sanders keeps winning these primaries, it's going to be tough for the left, kind of the mainstream left to deny what the right says about them <laughs> anymore. You know, we're not really that progressive. We're not really socialist. We're not, you know, we're not really that extreme. Well, I don't know. Your, your voters are, are proving you wrong. Uh, w- one more point about uh, Sanders. It is, I do have to mention, it is funny that uh, Pete Buttigieg still has a delegate edge over Bernie Sanders despite losing the popular vote in both Iowa and New Hampshire. It's, it, isn't, it, it is hilarious and kind of poetic to see uh, Bernie Sanders' delegates uh, redistributed to, uh, to other candidates. <laughs> I, I do, uh, that does bring a smile to my face. But uh, Joe Biden came in fifth. I mean, he got absolutely just walloped. Uh, he only had, I think it was, what, 8.5% of the vote, something like that. Um, oh, yeah. I know he's still talking about the, the South Carolina firewall, but and we, we can jump into that. I, I could see it going a couple different ways, but is, is Joe Biden done? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think that he's done. I mean, I think that he's the, he is the more you know, moderate of the Democratic candidates. But, I mean, I, it, it's one of those things where, as of, you know, anything can change on a dime. I mean, you know, six weeks ago we were talking about an Elizabeth Warren Trump face off and then you know now we're talking Sanders and you know, Pete Buttigieg was kind of a like a an also ran and now he's a you know by all intents and purposes a front runner and I guess we, as we look forward to you know the next primary I mean I think what Biden is trying to softly say is that Pete Buttigieg has a minority vote problem that's a fact yeah and I think that he is aware of the fact that you know, people are deep, deeply suspicious of the actual efficacy of a Sanders win and certainly would have a, a tough, tough case to make of a heart attack Bernie Sanders that's always, I mean, I think he's two years older than Trump taking on Trump in a general election. I think he is. I think he's five right years older to than know. Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Then, he, you know, he is right to feel out the position that. That's that's crazy. That's a that is a unwinnable situation. And so I think he's going to stick in there. And, you know, and if if all the voters that, you know, in, in South Carolina pull, you know, pull for him, I think he might, he might have an actual an actual shot to to. OK, this is this is our Democratic candidate. This is more mainstream, because if you look at like, you know, Klobuchar and, and Biden are basically similar candidates. And then right. you have the more the more. Uh, left-wing progressive candidates. And I think the Democratic Party knows that it's going to take either suburban moms staying home from the polls and certainly not going to actively vote for Trump like they did in in, uh, 2016 in order for them to win. I mean, you know, the the old saying goes as if that 10% of minority voters went Republican, the Democrats would never win again. Right. And that's true. So if you have somebody that, you know, already struggles like a Pete Buttigieg to get minority votes or someone that has, you know, 
issues when it comes to different things that he says on the trail in order to, you know, get minority votes like Biden does. I mean, these are real problems. And I, and I think the Democrats continue to not take these problems seriously. And certainly debacles like Iowa, where they can't figure out how to count votes, are even more amusing. And then, you know, just off your point about the redistributing delegates, I mean, I've always thought that the, the Democratic process of their nominating was just hilarious. Right. Because up until last year, you know, superdelegates were the were deciding votes. And, and they might just, they might they're talking about bringing them back and <laughs> bringing back. The, of course, the of course they are. Of course they are. It's because it's they're they're realizing that the, the modern the modern like lefty voter is like a, a, a really hyper woke like socialist. And they, they kind of like they don't have any sort of bearing or hold about what, you know, actual economics looks like. You know, it, if you were to describe like what securitization was to like the average woke individual, they'd be like, that's incredible. That's crazy. We, we, can't, we can't do that. We can't do that. It's like, OK, then no one can buy a home. No one can finance a car. Like, it's just there's all these things. There's all these jobs that are tied up. They have no idea. But like, you yeah, can't they, explain that. They don't read a lot of uh, what what did uh, AOC say the other day? Um, they don't read a lot of uh, uh, Milton Keynes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, she, she, my goodness. She's a but, she's a silly she's a silly silly person. Yeah, so. I, I I mentioned this on the podcast on Monday. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders doesn't have a lot of support among blacks and Hispanics either. Um, and I, I don't think his comment that you know there's no place in the Democratic Party for anybody who's pro-life I, that's not going to play well in the South. I mean, the majority of African Americans are, are Baptist, and the vast majority of Hispanics in America are Catholic. Um, and the Catholic Church and the Baptist Church, they're not they're not too enthusiastic about abor- about abortion. They're not big on the baby killing stuff. So it's like comments like that even, um, you know, more moderate candidates like Klobuchar or, or or Biden, you know, obviously would never say something like that. that they, they'd say things along the lines of, you know, I'm pro-choice, but, you know, we're a big tent party. Anybody can vote for me, you know, not like don't vote for me if you're not pro-abortion. <laughs> like, just a terrible sales pitch from from Bernie Sanders. But, um, you know, Biden and, and Buttigieg and Buttigieg said the same thing. Yeah, he, was like, he did. No, no, we are we are not. We are not a pro-life party. That's insane. That's actually it's insane. insane. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely insane, especially in the Rust Belt where, where I live here in Ohio. I mean, I'll. Democrats are not overly progressive around here. A lot of them are just union workers, and their dad was in the union, their granddad was in the union. They've always voted Democrat. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're like yeah. very conservative, and, it, and they have traditional also, values. You know, they're not like a wild communist or anything. I mean, it's also darkly amusing that Planned Parenthood was started as a racist organization to uh, basically sterilize in our city communities. Yeah, and and yet we have like we have some of these. You know, hyper woke candidates that are like, well, no, actually, this is the this is the way this is the way the world works. And, you know, you kind of look at that and you kind of you got to kind of wonder, like, how much of a grapple hold does Planned Parenthood have over the Democratic Party that they they actually like fundamentally think these things? Because it's interesting when you actually look at the polling of abortion, which is just an actually like fascinating set of polling where most women to the tune of like 67 percent never would never get well themselves but want to like hold open the ability for other people right. and 51 percent think it's immoral on its face right so uh, you, if you combine you know you know play a little you, know, you don't even have to do like a crazy statistical analysis to really think through what that means which is the fact that like there is this 
belief that these things are occurring that are not necessarily occurring. You know, because if you if you listen to an if you listen to a Democrat seriously about these issues and 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 actually like engage seriously, you would believe that there's all these like you know third trimester abortions that are happening. They're not. That's that's just it, it doesn't happen. Which they say that and they admit to that. But then it's like, well, why why do we want to like close the door on this? And it's like, well, I want to keep the door open because <laughs> this makes us look like the Republicans hate women, which is the whole goal, which is like, that's not, it's just not right. true. It's like, also interesting you... too. It, it's also interesting that a lot more women are pro-life than men. It, it's something like 50% yeah. of women and 39% of men. So okay. it's like, and nobody brings that up. I mean, Republicans don't even bring that up for some reason. Well, I mean, you, you know, we, we could get into a, a long, a long fundamental discussion about the base, the baselines of this, which, you know, I've, I've had these, I've had these conversations. They're very interesting when you really, hammer it out and actually talk about like the fundamentals of like certain motivations when you're dealing with, you know, abortion, all this kind of stuff. I mean, dude, the the sexual revolution did more to like harm women and men and our relationships than anything else in the world. I mean, we, we, we like to pretend that it's just like, Oh no, like everybody's just, you know, now everybody's like free to do everything they want. Like rather than saying, Hey, like, like, let's not do this thing where I like, I'm old enough to remember when we were in college. Um, I'm a, might be a little older than you, but we're in college. There was a, a book that came out called Guyland, and Guyland was actually really interesting because it was highlighting the fact that like sexual promiscuity on campuses was making a situation where dudes felt like they were, you know, entitled to certain sexual advances, and you know, propagated a sexual harassment culture on campus. And one of the one of the things that he talks about in the book that led to this is the fact that like it was accepted that dudes could go out and have like multiple sexual partners and that was like an okay thing but the obvious pushback on that is like actually you know we're not gonna we're not gonna push this level this kind of culture anymore and we're gonna say you know from a women's perspective we're gonna say you know what actually like i'm not gonna have sex with you unless we're in a relationship and it's an exclusive relationship rather than that be the answer the pushback on this was hyper hyper woke liberal academic types were like no no no. well actually what's good for the goose is good for the gander let's have women go and like do the same behavior behavior which as you as we both know i mean certainly being christians like sexual promiscuity is not healthy like i'm not you know i'm aware of like that kind of behavior dude it it definitely definitely leads you away from god and number two it certainly is unhelpful in future relationships like when you actually meet someone that you care about and love and you have all this this baggage like that stuff pushes you further away which is you know has cascading implications for the way that we treat each other the way that women men and women engage and then certainly when it comes to abortion the fact that like if you were a woman why wouldn't you want to keep that door open because you're deeply suspicious of men because they have no like skin in the game (laughs) when it comes to a relationship so of course you want to keep that open um you know so right i'm I'm just grateful i got married 10 years ago to a christian woman who shares my values so i never had to worry about any of this nonsense yeah no but uh, dude that's but even from not even from a faith-based perspective like just from human evolutionary biology even like the oh, yeah. female brain and the male brain are not wired the same. And the the, the feminist movement and, and the sexual revolution encouraging women to behave like men in terms of their sexuality, I think, has been extremely damaging, too, because that's just not how women think. Like, it's not like, it's not like a natural reaction for a woman to want to be as promiscuous as a man. And encouraging women to do that, I think, has been a disaster. But, like, w- one more thing before we move on. One more thing I— about uh, New sure. Hampshire and and the decline of Joe Biden, I, I 
I think most of the people jumping ship from uh, from Joe Biden to other candidates, like Amy Klobuchar, uh, she got like 31 percent of the late breaking votes, which is very interesting. And I, yep. I think a lot of those were were Biden voters that just kind of jumped ship recently. And I think a lot of it, it's not his his ideology or anything. It's just it's it's all medical, dude. <laughs> like it's it's and I'm not trying to play armchair physician here. Like I'm no doctor. I'm not trying to diagnose Joe with something, but. Like, I I lost a grandmother about a year and a half ago who was the exact same age as Joe Biden, and she would had been struggling with dementia for for a couple years, and uh, I'm literally yeah. watching the exact same thing with Joe Biden. And it's not like oh he lost his fastball, oh he slowed down a little bit. No 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 no. He can barely speak English. He slurs his words. He sounds like he's drunk all the time. He he forgets things. He called that random voter a what was it a horse face dog soldier or something. what was it it was hilarious like dog yeah, face you know, dog yeah. face pony soldier whatever whatever the heck that's supposed to mean but like here's the, here's the thing bernie sanders is he may have some medical issues of his own like he's now refusing to release his medical records he's 80 years old and he just had a heart attack a few months ago and he now he's saying he won't uh release his medical records and he's like well the the other candidates some of the other candidates haven't released theirs it's like yeah dude you know pete Buttigieg is 38 <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're 80 and you just had a heart attack. Like uh, maybe the voters uh, should know what's going on, and and he's refusing to release his record. So it's like, I don't like it's it's weird. Like with all these geriatric candidates, like <laughs> I, I I swear, like I never thought I'd see the day that like just medical issues may define the Democratic primaries this year. Like it's it's fascinating to watch. Oh, I mean it's it's actually incredible. The the fact that the average candidate is going to be in their 70s is insane to me. I mean, I, I you know, I'm up kind of the, the thinking that, you know, that's that is pretty deep to run for president. And, and just like a side point about, about about poor Joe Biden. I mean, they pushed him to run. They needed somebody to run that wasn't a crazy person. He goes, he jumps in the race. He's he's already too old. He was tired. I mean, he didn't run the last race because of his uh, his boy that that passed away. And and that was the time to run. And right. this time it's just he, you know, his heart hadn't been in it. He's he's too old. His ideas are played out. He doesn't have like the, the crazy woke nonsense that you have to have in order to be, you know, sensitive with the different language in order to just not get just smashed all the time by people on Twitter. And, you know, it's it just it's sad to watch like a dude that was like a statesman a couple of years ago was like the buddy, you know, the buddy cop movie to Obama now. <laughs> Well, now having to kind of, you know, fumble his way through a presidential campaign and his heart's just not in. And I just it's frankly like really sad. And then also, uh, you know, having a heart attack on the campaign trail, I just feel like is a little bit just, you know, uh, it's it's disheartening. I don't want to use that <laughs> word, but it's also just sort of like it's disqualifying. It's um, yeah. I just don't I don't understand how. The Democrats being the party of like the youth and the young people and all this stuff. How <laughs> you know you got four years to come up with somebody and this is the best you got. It's going to go head to head with the president. Like the the president, the president's going to win bigger than last time if it's Bernie Sanders because they'll run ads every day because he has a hundred million dollars that he hasn't had to spend on campaigning, where he just runs an ad where there's just videos of Sanders praising communism. Yeah, just over and over. I mean, there's videos of it. It's him just sitting there in a room, looking exactly how he does now, 
praising it. They're going to run that every day. And the average guy is not going to be supportive of that. I mean, you had the, you had the situation uh, a couple weeks ago where some of the Wall Street banks came out and said that they're not going to support, they wouldn't support Warren because their policy, her policies would destroy the banking industry. Right. Like, I know, I know it's like, it's really cute and like woke little populists can talk about how bad the banking industry is and all that kind of stuff. But like, that's how this stuff works, man. Like, it's just, I'm, you know, I hate to say it, but like they're, they're, we're past the days where it's like farmer can farm his little corn and go to the market and Joe that is a hair cutter where he can go and he can buy the corn and we're all, it's all hunky dory. That's how the economy works. Like that's not, that's not how the economy works. I'm Hasn't sorry. Been that case for 120 years. Yeah. Yes. But, Banking policies made it with this country. And you don't want it to be that way. Like, no. it, it's it's way better for it to be this way where, you know, I, I mean, it could, it could work better. That's true. But some of that's like, you know, choices about investing abroad and stuff that would bring some American jobs back and, you know, play play a little better game and ship when it comes to, you know, America first. But, like, the rest of that's nonsense. And, and, and so my point is, is that Wall Street banks, like, we're not going to support Warren. And you saw how our candidacy dried up over overnight i assure you that wall street banks law firms anybody that practices any sort of commercial finance this second sanders goes people will dry up funding to him that's for sure it'll be a complete populist run campaign with dudes handing five dollars thinking that bernie sanders is gonna you know put us all in like communities where we all have money and no one owns any property or whatever, but he ain't going to get a dime from, from big banks in any substantial way. Cause all of his policies would destroy, like it would destroy New York. That's for sure. I mean, so, it would destroy, it would absolutely destroy the country. Obviously. I mean, like I, I, I think even uh, if Bernie wins the nomination, the stock market will drop 2000 points. I mean, just, just if he wins the nomination. Let yeah. alone, the, oh. let alone the presidency. But can the DNC stop Bernie? Like that's the thing. Like, and I've said this before, and I mean this without an ounce of irony. I, I 100% believe this. I'm glad the DNC is trying to rig the primaries against Bernie Sanders. I think it's actually their patriotic duty as Americans to rig the primary against Bernie Sanders. Like, yes, the DNC should do whatever they have to do to keep a communist as far away from the levers of power as humanly possible. Like they should be rigging the primaries against him. Well, that I mean, basically that a, stems from yeah. my, my fundamental belief that I don't really care about democracy for democracy's sake. I, I like democracy if if it's a means to the ends of liberty. <laughs> but like I, I don't really see any utility in democracy for democracy's sake. I don't really care about that um, if it leads to and tyranny. Neither do, but, and neither do the founders either. I mean, they just, oh, no, of course, of course. Yeah. No, the founders hated they, – they, yeah, I mean, the founders were deeply suspicious of that. Rightfully so. I mean, like if you see – after the, uh, well, I can't comment on that issue. Uh, I'm trying to think of another issue. Our firms are representing a couple of people that I can't comment on. Oh, um, right. Dang it. Uh, so, I mean, if you just think about just like the, the mob coming after anybody on Twitter, in the news, whatever. I mean, they, people people without all the facts, without knowledge of the issue, form opinions on, on different issues. And we don't want our politicians immediately kowtowing to that issue immediately. It's just, it's insane. And I think to answer your question, I think the Democrats, or at least the DNC, through superdelegates, recognize that some of some of the the niche issues on the left, you know, the whole people, I mean, there's whole people on the left that are like, how dare we, how dare we take milk from cows 
<laughs> it is criminal. It is horrible. Uh, it is inhumane. How, you know, like it's just nonsense. Like there'd be people that, you know, there's there's crazy people on the left that are just like, plants have liberty too. I mean, <laughs> come on, come on. So I mean, like, drink water nav- only, exclusively yeah, having, water. Having to navigate those crazy people, and then also like, count out, you know, or you know, meet the kind of the middle of America people that are, you know, living in suburban America and, and they have families and are just trying to make, you know, day to day mean get their kids to. School. Cool. Like they don't know how to, they don't know how to accommodate those people. So it's it's difficult. I imagine that they'll they'll figure it out. But it's going to be a it's going to be a tough 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 fight. I imagine though that a lot of the voters that were for Warren um, moved to Klobuchar, and so I think as Warren becomes not viable, I think all of her voters are going to either split 50-50 between Sanders and Klobuchar, or be you know seventy thirty Klobuchar Sanders. So, do you think Klobuchar has a shot? I mean, anybody has a shot. She's the the old saying was that three people come out of New Hampshire um, and go to South Carolina, and she's she, she's one of the three. That's for sure. So, she's one of the more hilarious figures to me, just because of all of these stories of like abusing her staff and stuff. I can't get over it. I can't get enough of it. Like throwing binders at people, and was the story about her? Uh, Screaming and yelling at a staffer who brought her a salad without a fork, so she ate it with a comb. It's like, man, I, I would oh, love yeah. for that. I mean, I'd love for that crazy bitch to be the <laughs> to be the nominee. To be honest with you, I just I don't know what uh, Trump's what would Trump's nickname for Amy Klobuchar be. It would have to be something to do with the comb salad. You'd think. Yeah, I mean, it's probably crazy, crazy something with a K or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's got it's got to be like that. I mean, it's also just funny too because. They, the media doesn't understand. Like, I, it's partly that they're just obsessed with the ratings that they get by just doing the resistance stuff that they do. But like, right. they made him. I I remember when he first announced. I I heard the news, and you know, I, I, I write politics columns, you know, for a side gig. Like, I, I I heard the news. People laughed at it, didn't think anything of it, and it was because lefties kept bringing him onto their shows. That people kept seeing him on TV, and we're like, well, wait a minute. He keeps getting on TV, and he's, you know, he's been on TV. He's been on TV his entire life. Like, they made him. Like, that's what that's what they don't understand. And so they keep just, ma- if they just didn't report every single thing as if it was this, like, gang-busting scandal, he'd be, he'd be nothing. He would, do, he would do crazier and crazier things that, to, like, get attention, and then he would lose. That's just a fact. But they don't, they don't want, they don't want to do that because they can't help themselves. Oh, my God, this is. It's an impeachable offense. Oh, my God, this is impeachable. This is just, it's insane. You know, it's funny. I wasn't planning on talking about this because it doesn't really matter, the the incumbent president's party primaries. But uh, it is interesting that the Republican turnout in both Iowa and New Hampshire are are up about 40 percent in each state from what they expected. Usually there's hardly any turnout at all. Uh, especially right. in a caucus state like Iowa. But uh, in, in New Hampshire last night, they were up 40% what they expected uh, in the Republican primary. And, uh, you know, I wonder if, you know, conventional wisdom would say that the Democrats are, are a lot more energized and, and excited at this point. Um, but I don't know. Like, maybe this impeachment stuff, maybe the, the rabid hatred of Trump from the press has actually fired up Trump's base quite a bit and and— they're a lot more energized than anybody would expect at this point in the process. So, like, 
that that might be another bad sign for the Democrats watching the the Republican turnout in these absolutely meaningless, you know, primaries and caucuses. I'm sure people within the DNC are pretty alarmed at that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. I mean, again, like you, I, I don't really view those to be. I saw I saw that statistic, and I kind of look at that with like kind of a eh. Yeah, like I don't know what it means. You know, like I don't know what, what to is. make of it. You know. But I mean, the the whole game, the whole game breaks down to, you know, five states, maybe it's Pennsylvania, it's Michigan, it's Florida, it's Arizona and uh, probably like Wisconsin, maybe, you know, every every other every other state, with the exception of like Virginia, maybe is basically big. Like it's going to be it's going to play on how it always does. And it's going to come down to those five. And I, I imagine that, you know. Trump has spent no money and he's going to spend all of his money in those states. And, you know, Ron DeSantis in Florida is extremely popular right, as the Republican right. governor and has done a lot of really good work. I imagine people you know, are going to come back and, and vote for him. I imagine people are going to come back and vote for the president. Well, I guess he's not up. He was he was 2018. So right. they're not going to come back to vote for DeSantis, but they're going to you know come come vote for the president. I mean, it's just like it's one and the same. So. I, you know, I, I don't I don't know what the exact plan is here, because the the message that we're getting from the DNC is kind of like like socialism light. If you're talking like a, Co, you know, Kobachar Buttigieg, it's like socialism, socialism. If you're talking about Bernie Sanders and it's like Obama, if you're talking Biden, but like they clearly don't like Biden one enough. So it's sort of a rebuke of the, you know, Obama trajectory they're wanting they're wanting more and i just i don't i don't know that that's going to play well enough to certainly not to voters in florida and if they they lose florida we're talking they have to win three of the rest the remaining four in order to win i just don't know that they got it to to run the table in michigan wisconsin pennsylvania arizona i mean i just i just don't know that they have it so right and also just one more note in terms of fundraising i mean uh, there are a lot of uh, especially donors within the Republican Party that do not like Trump at all, like you know the Coke, the Coke organization hates Trump and stuff. Um, there are a lot of never Trump Republicans out there, but who, who would probably sit on the sidelines if, if the opponent was Klobuchar or Joe Biden or somebody like that. But if the Democrats nominate Bernie Sanders, I could, I mean, what's the Coke organization going to do? Sit on the sidelines? No, they're going to give money to Trump. You know, like I think a lot of the never Trumpers would would actively campaign for Trump against an outright communist communist like Bernie Sanders when they ne- wouldn't necessarily if it were Amy Klobuchar, you know? So I think, I don't know, man, I, I could definitely see a scenario where Bernie, San- Bernie Sanders <laughs> unifies the right in, in a way that we've, we haven't seen in a, you know, since Reagan or something, because the threat would be an, an actual legitimate Marxist like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he would be the most dangerous. I mean, and he would be one of the most dangerous people to ever run for president. I mean, he, has no understanding of how the economy works. He has no understanding of the values that would make this country the great country that it is. And certainly, what are we really talking about? We're gonna, we're gonna, what, what communist country are we gonna emulate? What communist ideal are we gonna emulate? Uh, I don't, I have no, you know, the, the old joke is, oh, you know, it's just never been tried right before. It's like, yeah, no, it's never been tried right because everybody that's tried it has failed miserably, and there's no good model. For doing something that complicated in a country as big and complicated as ours, because like what works in New York City certainly doesn't work for my hometown in, in Cumming, Georgia. 
right. which is not the same as you know San Francisco. So, but but sure, but sure. Let's 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 apply a, a real broad brush to a country that is the most diverse country on the planet, the most economically diverse country on the planet. But but, but sure, but sure. I'm sure we can make. I'm sure we have a a, a one a one state solution here. It's bonkers, man. It's absolutely bonkers. Before I let you go, I do have to mention um, this this awful news coming out of China with the coronavirus. The the Chinese Communist Party has released that they uh, they have forty five thousand reported cases and and well over a thousand deaths already. Um, obviously, the mm-hmm. communists are not really big on transparency, so I'm sure that's a drop in the bucket. That is the tip of the iceberg. I don't know how many cases there are. It could it could be it could be forty five thousand. It could be four hundred fifty thousand. Uh, who who knows, man? I how worried about this should we be? I mean, it, I think there's reported cases of this virus in something like twenty seven countries at this point now. Uh, twenty seven, twenty eight countries. I read earlier. So um, you never know. I mean, it, it this could go away quickly, like most of these other uh, scares, or not. I mean, who knows? Because we're not. I, I can almost guarantee we're not getting you know, accurate information from the Chinese Communist Party on this. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely, it's a complicated issue. I'm not, I don't, I, I always find this really interesting in like political columns when people, you know, apply something that without the hard facts, it's nice to be, oh yeah, you know, the Chinese are probably hiding something. And I, I tend to believe that where the Chinese have the ability to fudge numbers, they fudge numbers about anything. I, I tend to always believe that, but you know, it was serious enough to lock down a, a city of 11 million people. It was serious enough to restrict moving of a vast swaths of the country of which were already under significant surveillance and, and travel restrictions due, due to social credit scores and everything else. President Xi obviously has a vested interest in looking as if he's um, handling the situation. I've seen a lot of video to suggest that there's sort of a forced incubation period for people that are perceived to be sick. I can't and, you know, obviously it's these videos are really hard and, uh, to tell the truth of them. And, you know, my my ability to, like, translate them are, are you know, it's hard to get context from, like, these videos because, you know, the, a street in Taiwan kind of looks very similar to China. It's hard to say. I mean, there's a lot of bad actors out there. So I, right. I tend to believe that it's if it was more serious, I think the CDC and, uh, you know, a few other NGO types would be involved. And I think the president is probably really in tune to what's going on and being the kind of already deeply suspicious of immigration president that he is, I think he'd, he'd be cutting, cutting off travel more generally. But so I think right. that that's sort of a, an indicator of the, the level of seriousness. I think it, it's also from what I have seen, the people that are mainly dying of the coronavirus for people that are infants or uh, the elderly, so conceivably people with weaker immune systems. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I think it's it's one of those things that you know we should be paying paying close attention to. But I would say my fear level of it at this point is less than like Ebola, because if you remember when Ebola was happening, we were testing all flights that came in from Africa and ultimately like restricting those flights, which suggests to me that this is different than that. At, and or at least a little milder than that. So I'm interested to see you know how it plays out. I mean, I'm sure the number is higher than it is. I think that the number is constantly you know upping as they they figure 
it out. And I, you know, I think I've only seen a couple of cases that it's been, you know, quote unquote cured. So I'm, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's an ongoing process. I mean, I wish I had more for you on it. It's just, we got to just keep paying attention to what's, what's coming out of, what's coming out of China and, and keep forcing them to come to the table with accurate numbers and then apply, applying whatever resources that we can in order to prevent the, uh, the spread of it. I mean, as it is in general, a lot of countries and, you know, our, our country included has some airports that have, you know, heavy surveillance of, of fevers and, you know, different, different biological measures when people come into the country. And I think that we need to just make sure that we're doing those because, I mean, the, the fact and rate that people travel, these illnesses spread like wildfire. So, Absolutely. Don't eat bats, kids. Do not. Uh, yeah. Stay away from the bat soup. Yeah, we oh, didn't. You're, you're my China guy, uh, Tyler, and we didn't have any like actual China policy to talk about. So, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring up something <laughs> in regards no, to China. No, no, no. Now that you're I, on the show. So, before I let you go, man, where can everybody uh, follow you online, read your stuff, keep in touch with you, and all that good stuff? I uh, do just uh, just Twitter, man. I'm uh, doing a Twitter game, writing some jokes over at Spectator US, and write my political and movie column over at Washington Examiner still. So. Check it out. All right. Everybody follow Tyler. He's great. I'm sure he'll be back on soon. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.